It's Ross Payton with Roleplay Bowl Radio. This RPB episode 181. Now, Woo. 5e compatible. Or not. It's it's not. It's a joke. Uh, we're not. I mean, we're we're not doing the 5e compatible stuff. Uh, this episode is going to be talking. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, we're, we're just going to have a little fun uh, talking about the latest trend uh, fad in uh, tabletop uh, Kickstarter slash games, which is to make them five take a license setting and uh, slap some 5e on it. And call it done. Um, the most egregious example of this, I think, is Hellboy, which should not be a 5e compatible no, RPG. Just um, but yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get into that more. Uh, we do have a guest today, uh, Max from uh, Good Brews Bad Views. Please say hi. Hey Ross, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's get straight into the news. And Max, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what's go- what's brewing down at your podcast? Uh, <laughs> excellent pun, Ross. Excellent pun. So Good Brews, Bad Views is a podcast my friends James and Ryan and I uh, have been doing for the last, I guess, four years now, mm-hmm. in which we watch uh, movies, mostly bad ones, and uh, drink alongside and do like a somewhat inebriated commentary track. You can think of it a little bit like a MST3K or Rift Tracks thing. But instead of just, like, ragging on movies, which anyone can do, and probably much better than we can, we try to find the gems within uh, bad movies, about stuff that we really actually enjoy, as well as, you know, poking fun at some of the questionable uh, acting and production and directing choices. So mm-hmm. it's really just finding the diamond in the rough for, for, for just these terrible, terrible movies. Uh, we recently had Caleb on to watch John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars, the movie that got him to stop making movies for almost a decade. So that was a that, that was a fun evening. Yeah, always a classic. Uh, yeah, I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes, uh, so you can take a listen, see if you like it. Uh, keep on listening. Um, so uh, also another news: uh, Maddie, uh, a friend of RPPR, uh, is uh, now speed running. Uh, you may have uh, heard her in uh, some of our more recent one shots. And she will be in uh, the Red Markets campaign that we're recording now. That will be up at some point, uh, run by Jason, uh, not by me. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, she uh, uh, Maddie is streaming uh, Hades uh, on Twitch, uh, speedrunning, learning how to do it. So uh, go watch, subscribe, follow, and all that jazz. Uh, but also, oh yeah, also uh, in other news, uh, Tom and Aaron are all on this episode. Hey. <laughs> so uh yeah you, you two regulars uh <laughs> wow mooks friends buddies yep uh you're not really you've done better saves in the past but i'm, I'm still happy to help <laughs> yeah yeah uh so uh this episode idea um we're gonna be talking about um licensed games and 5e but not just that also like taking franchises, taking licenses, and slapping them onto games, what we think would actually be better fits if we weren't constrained by the mere crass uh, uh, demands of capitalism. What would be the perfect game for the perfect... What would be the perfect game rule set for this particular... Whatever uh, franchise or, or uh, thing you think would be good? Um, this was suggested on uh, the RPPR Facebook group, uh, thanks to a listener, I believe, Patrick Harkin. Thank you, Patrick. Um, if that was you, if it's not you, oops. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll still give you credit. Yeah. <laughs> oops. Uh, 
So, um, so the news is, so the, the thing is, um, Hellboy had a Kickstarter for a full new RPG, but it was going to be compatible with the fifth edition of the world's most popular role-playing game. Uh. Yep. Uh, and because fifth ed D and D is very popular and money, uh, is a thing. So, um, which I'm, I'm sorry to say, like Hellboy is one of my favorite franchises. I, mm-hmm. I love the world itself and all the characters, and I was actually really excited. But up to the point where I, I was like, "Hey, cool! I definitely love to play this again." Fifth Ed, and well, that yep. took all my enthusiasm away yeah. because supernatural horror and investigation. Like there are uh, a few other role playing games that actually handle that pretty well. Um, that actually oh, really? do that much I'm better. I'm not aware of this. Oh, what, what <laughs> yeah, no, no, nothing at all. Monster of the Week. <laughs> yeah, Monster of the Week, uh, Delta Green, Unknown Armies, uh, <laughs> Gumshoe. Uh, I think Gumshoe would pr- actually probably be the best uh, now that I think about it. Um, but, I mean, any of those. Uh, and 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 a dozen other systems to boot. Um, there have been two other major examples that I can think uh, just off the top of my head or just doing some cursory Googling around. Uh, which is Stargate, um, which actually isn't is a little better of a fit because Stargate does have the adventuring party going through a you know dungeon, except it's a planet, uh, and there's sort of niche protection in it. You have your scientist, you have your soldier guy, you have your alien who knows alien things, and you have your person who is hey, let's talk to them and be reasonable, um, kind of thing. So, I, I, and there was already a, like a D a third ed DD. Uh, equivalent of uh, Stargate. They did one back in the 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 third ed era. Uh, also, Middle Earth, which again, well, you know, all right, I guess. Um, Middle Earth is sort of one of the progenitors of D and D, so I guess it's this uh, <laughs> uh, polyhedron Ouroboros or something. Uh, yeah, um, and I, I would let you know too. Wyvern Games was also uh, kickstarted a Stargate SG one. Uh, uh, RPG last year, I believe. I think that's so. what I'm talking about. Oh, is it? Okay, never mind then. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I, I mean, I mean, you might want to look it up. But if there's two, but that's the there is a Stargate Fifth Ed compatible thing out there. So okay, so uh, that that might be Fifth Ed compatible. So it looked like it was its different thing. So yeah. Uh, well, no, it appears to be it's separate, but that's fine. Okay. Um. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there, but um. What what what? Th- that's the question. Is like why, why why why? I mean, obviously we know why, but like, what if we didn't have to worry about just trying to make as much money for the license as possible? Um, what what if you could just make something better, uh, like something to actually fit them? Um, and yeah, so um, why don't we start with you, Max? Um, if you could choose any anything that had a you know any license for a fran particularly for a franchise, but like I guess it could be something else, but you know, um, what what would you pick and what game would you would you uh, would you want to do? And we could do and if you can come up with more than one game, we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, what, what's your first pick? Sure. So I would say my first pick is Hellblazer or uh, John Constantine, the character from Vertigo Comics, mm-hmm. um, which. I would want to run a game uh, with that character or those cast-up characters using the Delta Green system. Because if you've ever read any of the Hellblazer comics, you know that uh, being associated or being a friend of John Constantine is a literal death sentence in 
most in, uh, instances. So that would make, be a great use of the bond system within Delta Green. And because uh, <laughs> yeah. John Constantine literally is like sacrificing his friends and loved ones to ultimately uh, stop whatever uh, supernatural force he's dealing with this month. Mm -hmm. um, Constantine was great as a uh, monster of the week kind of character with like single one off issues, mm -hmm. but also had some very good uh, uh, overarching storylines or, you know, an ongoing campaign if you want to go with with that route. So I, I think like Delta Green would be the perfect perfect system for uh, this kind of character or this kind of game, because even though Constantine is a noted occultist and he can do some kind of magic-y kind of stuff, it's not very flashy and it's very um, subdued or subtle. Um, Rich full doing yeah, well, even even less than that, it's just like, oh, yeah, the synchronicity lets me win at gambling and stuff like that. <laughs> like, there's very little, like, actual, like, magical incantations or, or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, much like Delta Green, if John Constantine ever gets into a physical confrontation, then something has gone terribly wrong, as, like, that's one of his defining traits is, like, he doesn't fight. He has other people fight for him, or he manipulates others into, you know doing doing the bad stuff or you know doing the the, the dirty business and such so mm -hmm. um yeah i think delta green could work um i mean honestly my first reaction is it's almost like an unknown army setting use that mechanics but you rework magic so it's actually like traditional like i mean constantine is uh, taking from actual like historical uh, occultism actual grimoires and stuff like that um and that's sort of the inspiration uh is that sort of body of literature um so the postmodern magic of unknown armies doesn't really work but uh taking from the real world occultism uh, i mean that would be my insult the 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 thing is if you use delta green though you need some sort of rework of the sanity system because contenting never goes to zero sand he always <laughs> just gets he just always recovers somehow so you need some sort of way of resetting or fully healing your sanity maybe every time you lose a bond you actually heal all your sanity so you just have to get more bonds like uh he's a he's a or yeah or basically modify in some way because a lot of Constantine's stories actually revolve around how toxic his certain bonds are and the fact that he has to break them in order to become a better person. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. Um, so you really need to re really focus on that bond system and really build it up uh, for the Constantine thing because that's sort of the heart of it is his fucked up relationships with other people, both how he is toxic and the people around him are toxic. It's just toxicity all the way around. So... Um, yeah, I could see that too. Um, I kind of well, that would be the perfect game, though. Also for like a tarot card system. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's that's sort of like one of my bucket lists as a game designer is come out with some sort of game system that works with the tarot deck. And I I've tried several times. And it's never I've never gotten far. I've never been able to figure it beyond uh, beyond the sort of initial vague idea. And then like when it comes to mechanics, I'm like I don't know. So um, yeah. I like that. Um, it's. Uh, are there any other games? Uh, uh, it, well, let's open it up. Uh, uh, Tom, Aaron, do you have any other aside from the RPG? Do you see any other sort of tabletop games you could do with Constantine? Um, 
I know, like, the base one, would probably the easy one would be uh, thinking Unknown Armies, mainly just because of all the different Well, like a board game here. or a card game. Like, something or other a board than game or a card game. Um, oh. I can think of, like, a game like kind of like Magic the Gathering, but all your but your mana you have to sacrifice, and it's friends and loved ones. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> a Magic Gathering uh, reskin, except yeah, I tap the cabbie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Except, yeah, except when, he, when he's yeah. tapped, he does go directly to the graveyard. Exactly. Uh, or, oh god, oh, what's the potions game that we play, Ross? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, potion um, explosion? Or no? Potion the, ex- no. Well, is it the one, the bag building one? Yes. Um. Oh, what <sighs> is it? It's a really popular one about making potions. Uh, yeah, we've we've played it several times. I'm trying to remember it. Oh, Wax Quillenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Max. So uh, that would be a good one, too, where you're just having to go around collecting different regions for a particular ritual that will either summon a demon to help you or hurt you. So who gets nice. to the demon first? Um, <laughs> I like that reskin, too. <laughs> Get uh, out of hell. Yep. Um, cool. I like that. Uh, well, Aaron, what's your what's your top idea? What, what was what's the one that you think would be the best? Uh, um, for a as, couple, as a franchise setting, license, whatever you want to call it. Um, franchise setting, I actually was thinking more about the Hellboy setting as as a whole because there are so many different elements that actually go into it because um, you have like the Abe Sapien side, mm-hmm. BPRD as it says, but they actually have a lot of past stuff as well, including uh, Sir Edward Grey Richfinder, uh, which if you've read the series, he's basically uh, a an older in, a investigator in Victorian time or sorry, Elizabethan times, mm-hmm. uh, who met a bad end and continued on the afterlife, but he had a lot of odd adventures. And for that one, because of everything, even though you have ritualistic magic, but you're still pretty powerless to a lot of that, and you're dealing with the politics of the time, um, I was thinking either Trail of Cthulhu, or -hmm. if you want to make it a little bit harsher, because uh, you are dealing with uh, eldritch entities or demons that are wheeling and dealing, uh, maybe Knight's Black Agents, because you have a little bit of more spycraft involved in that. And mm-hmm. also, most of the monsters are incredibly lethal. So unless you have a particular ritual, right, or trinket, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's been a big thing of that. And also, it, it does a lot of inter- good interpersonal drama as well. So that's kind of my idea for that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, that, that like it, it also really fits with the synergy of sort of the gumshoe system because of that historical basis and, like, in-depth uh, investigative... Uh, uh, digging up details and um yeah uh contextualizing them so um and uh, yeah. it, it reminded me a little bit too because when we played that one uh i believe it was uh, it may have been just a, a chaosium call through the deck game but when we were playing it during the french revolution yeah that was seventh ed call uh, yeah that's an so. official published scenario so, yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of what it reminded me of too is just maybe setting it a little bit further back, but like I said trail gives more of the investigative bent. Yeah, that's the thing about like one of the things that annoys me so much about the fifth head Hellboy is like K- Call of Cthulhu is doing pretty well right now. Chaosum is a pretty like by tabletop size, pretty big company. Like they're right there and like Call of Cthulhu is a much better fit for Hellboy than yeah, uh, fucking yeah. Yeah. Fifth Ed. Because so. I get the idea of like putting in the combat side, but honestly, it's not the only thing, though. And it, it, that should be like the big explosive ending. And honestly, is you know, to me, D&D combat has always been an involved, uh, involved scenario, and I, get, I feel like I get really bored with it really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. When I saw the announcement for the Hellboy game, there was almost like a universal like you know you know that emoji where it's like the person with like their hand on their chin and a single eyebrow raised. Like that's how I felt like most <laughs> fans of Hellboy <laughs> reacted to it, being like, "Really? Are you are you sure?" And yeah, it, I think it was right around that time that I saw this post that was pretty much saying that like D and D is almost like a separate kind of hobby from from art from rpgs like if you were to group like mm-hmm. the, you know group them together like you have to almost like exclude D because that's like an entirely different thing from you know everything else as far as interest and player base and just pe- people's involvement and awareness of it but that's mm-hmm. a different discussion yeah, yeah i mean that's true there's a lot of people who play D and refuse and like i mean th- this has always been true but like Especially now with the internet and everything else, you think you'd be like, uh, I want to run like uh, a game where we're uh, civilians in uh, World War II occupied Europe and we're trying to survive. Uh, so I'm trying. I'm modding Fifth Head to do this. Uh, are there any people that envy resources or advice for me? It's like run another system. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent 200 hours revising Fifth Head to run this game that's not suited for Fifth Head. Pick another system. No. Like, it's like a drill tweet. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And, and what kind of kills me a little bit about Hellboy, too, is that it was it was either late 90s, early 2000s, um, when GURPS was still pretty big. They actually put out a pretty expansive, mm-hmm. uh, like, leather-bound book of for a Hellboy setting that, you know, despite it being, you know, GURPS a little bit older, was pretty neat. And it actually yeah, GURPS is had a lot marginally of better than D&D for Hellboy. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, I, and I completely understand that, but at least it kind of, it said, hey, you know, we're meant to be a catch-all for everything, which is better than at least the D&D side. I'm looking at the Hellboy Kickstarter right now. Um, and I mean, a lot of, it made 360,000 pounds um, with 6,000 backers. Um and but to be fair, a lot of that is oh here's our minis, here's our custom dice, mm-hmm. uh, here's our terrain, and oh look a little BRPD uh, shoulder bag. Um, and just buy the board game, but guys, yeah. you know it's just as expensive, and you might get some more use out of it. Well, you, well, you don't like you don't like ex- expensive shit that's not free, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dice bag, huh? Dice tray, dice tray, huh? You want a dice tray? Yeah, well, Ross, we, Ross, we do have EasyRollerDice.com. Would we really need another one? Well, I mean, these people obviously did. Uh, I would I would need to have people in my house to play RPGs to need a designated tray to roll dice in. Well, this was this was uh, uh, launched pre-COVID, I'm pretty sure, uh, I think. I'm not actually 100% sure, but... Um, uh, yeah, because they were... I, I think it was right before everything went down. Yeah. So, oh no, it was actually, what am I talking about? This is fucking September. Jesus, time is a flat circle. Uh, project funded September of this year. So, oh, God. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just seems a lot longer ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, um, let's see here. Yeah, so Hellboy. Um, yeah, Hellboy's got so many other games, and there've been board games and card games. I'm, I'm sure there've been card games. I don't really think we're going really uh, over that. Um, no, but Tom, uh, what, video what, games, yeah, yeah. Well, Tom, <laughs> what what's your number one pick for a franchise? Uh, I gotta go with. Um, 
I got maybe something a little more lighthearted, at least on surface. Uh, mm-hmm. The Great British Bake Off is like one show I've watched every iteration that's come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm dying. And, I'm dying to know what RPG you're pairing this with. And I don't know. I there's I, I don't know. There's so many options. It's because I th- what I think is. Uh, well, I, more to say of what I would do with it, not mm-hmm. just what system I would use. Okay. All right. Because there's the competition itself, mm-hmm. but I'm more kind of thinking you could also do a bunch of like weird stuff that you know from the you know off off camera stuff. Hmm. So, so yeah. Sorry, go go ahead, Russ. No, 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 I'm just dying to know what you're picking, like what RPG you're putting this with. <laughs> I uh, think. You might think this is weird, but what was the game that uh, uses Jenga? Dread. Yeah, I was thinking Dread because um, it's like with each thing, you know, with each baking challenge, just to be like, okay, like, yo, what do you want to do to make it good? Like, okay, we'll pull one out to see how that works out. <laughs> okay. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, have your uh, baked Alaska collapse or, uh-huh. or God help you, soggy bottom. Oh, which, no. Paul Hollywood does okay. not like. You know what? I can kind of see like maybe not an RPG, but like a board game or something like that. A, a board dex- card game too. Well, no, no, like a physical dexterity game. So we build on Jenga, but like we make a custom Jenga set that's like cake shaped. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like the the Great Brit- British Bake Off cake building game where you're building up a cake layer by layer. And um, so the idea... And different, different ingredients have different like shape so, you mm-hmm. know, like and maybe yet there's shapes. like a deck of cards you draw from to pick different size toppings so you have to stack it in a particular way and it's randomized um and or if there's yeah. a or if there's a presentation element to it because i remember there was another game that you and caleb played about creating islands and you had to make certain shapes fit to each other mm-hmm. yeah so you have a card that basically says here's what you need to basically have Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this particular shape or else it doesn't give you a certain amount of points or it could be like an extra point that you're getting <laughs> if you can get it into this configuration. Yeah. Um, it's a bold choice. Uh, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm of course, very surprised. My, I thought the obvious pick here was Phoenix Command. Um, <laughs> Phoenix Command system can run anything. Um, it's like, it's like, all right, it's like, all right, at what, at what angle and what, and how fast are you pouring the enriched flour? Exactly. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You get it. See, you get it. Um, Ing- I do. Ingredient right, I distribution get... is very, very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, your consistency is just going to be shot. Yeah. And that's going to cost you some points. Yeah, there's a formula yeah, actually... to figure out your cake hit points, and then you you uh, cross reference that with the 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 size of the pan, and then the 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 is your Morgana. oven cooking? Is it heating evenly? You know, like it's, it's... and also and also how long is the cooking time? Because often they mm-hmm. don't tell you how long it needs to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or mix your ratios between separated and unseparated eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, because I... Uh, yeah, because sometimes you you only want you don't want scrambled eggs. You want something nice and smooth. So what what is the angle at which you will apply the whisk to the bowl? Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on, on the double yolk calculation. <laughs> oh, well, that, well, that's if you make a bad roll, a bad luck roll to start mm-hmm. by one of your eggs being a double yolk. That's that's oh, some shit. God help you if you're cooking this on an electric range. <laughs> Don't uh, even say such a thing, Aaron. Yeah, Max, do you have any other great British Bake Off game ideas? <laughs> I think any sort of uh, push your luck 
kind of game. Oh, like, yeah. Quest of Pittlenburg, I think, would be very, very good on this, because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're drawing your ingredients, you're putting them into your oh, yeah. giant mixing bowl, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, can I, can I do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're trying to get, you know, your, the best bake good possible, but it ultimately can just be an utter failure. Yeah, I think... And, and also, yeah, and so. you have to take into account the outside temperature, because that thing's held in a tent. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, a great British Bake Off lends itself to a lot of board game ideas, not necessarily RPGs. Or cart, yeah, CCGs or board games. Well, I think also maybe another board game type would be like a worker placement thing. So it's like uh, Lords of Waterdeep, but it's like, um, you know, you have so many re- slots at the kitchen and you have to place your chef um, at different stations and sort of figure out the best route to to maximize your your cake cooking efficiency and also like and all each of the bakers has their own strengths and weaknesses too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh yeah so when you take their character card which is yours like you know you might have the engineer guy who's really good at like you know technical assembly but may not be the best artist mm-hmm. um yeah no yeah, i like that um so uh for my first pick i'm gonna go out i'm gonna make something i'm I'm just gonna say this one is actually is going to be compatible with fifth ed D. it's very much designed from the ground up and i think you're all gonna agree with me um the olympus has fallen franchise uh oh olympus fallen london has fallen <laughs> angel has fallen um so in the in the, grip- the fourth one coming out of coming out eventually of course be, mm-hmm. it, as well it should we just need a never-ending series of movies about the president franchise has fallen about about the president being threatened and only gerard butler's um sheer determinedness uh uh at being the best damn secret service agent he can be uh can save him from garbage trunk uh garbage truck uh uh fucking machine gun turrets to uh swarms of drones um, so it's basically, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Ross, just say, there's all, there's actually a possible title for the next one. Yeah. Night has fallen. Well, all right. Um, so. Don't forget his willingness to torture. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, that, that just goes without saying. Uh, he's an American action hero. Uh, <laughs> so in, um, the world has fallen. Uh, the the president is under perpetual threat, and so it's a D and D scenario with a. It's like rescuing the princess every adventure, except it's the president. So every single adventure, you're rescuing the president from a global thr- uh, a terrorist attack. Um, and so, it, see, there's every character is a secret service agent. There's just different types of secret service agents. Um, so you know, instead of wizards, you have hacker info tech agents uh fighters are obvious tanks are obviously the gerard butler class mm-hmm. um you know or maybe paladins you know something like that um and you just run through dungeons and by dungeons i mean buildings in washington dc or wherever it's set and they're just full of terrorists to kill and drones and machine guns set up inside garbage trucks and i cannot get over that scene in olympus has fallen where the secret service agents run out as though they are the light brigade to die to a machine gun turret set up cunningly in a garbage truck uh it's it's like a parody of an action movie, but it's... <laughs> and and uh, it, for for healing prayers, instead of you know doing a prayer to your god, you have to recite the the pledge of allegiance. Oh, like that one character did at the end of a. Mm, I like or, that. Or, or, or or make a violent threat to the bad guys while swearing. We see, yeah. Instead of magic items, 
Um, you have to do things to bad guys, and then you get a bonus that lasts forever for for a certain amount of time, and that sort of takes the equivalent mechanical role of magic items. So, like torture, capturing and torturing a bad guy, you get a plus two attack to uh, all other bad guys of the same faction. Um, or, or, I, or I think threats need to be in there too. Threats, yeah, threats can restore hit points. Like every character class, they do something. Like every time the hacker says "I'm in," he gets he gets extra like D4 hit points back. Yeah, um, you yeah. should get bonuses. You should get bonuses for uh, you know one liners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, um, uh, the 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 world is fallen. Uh, uh, the also card game mafia variant. Uh, someone's a traitor. Uh, you got to find out who's the traitor because every single of those movies has like it's one or many parts of the own U.S. government are traitors. Uh, and granted, you always know which one it is. Well, eventually, but like I mean, Gerard. No, Butler, well, you know, most most of them are like okay, yeah, that I mean that one shifty guy over there, he's totally not going to be right. Well, guy. I'm talking about the card game for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah can you can you um, live up to Gerard Butler's abilities to, to suss out uh, sus agents? Um, yeah. uh, I think that could actually uh, align itself also with a board game with the traitor me- mechanic, kind of like uh, Betrayal on House on the Hill. That eventually you're building up to the goal of like, we got to stop these terrorists, but one of you, well, it's a random scenario. Mm-hmm. Are you a terrorist bent on collapsing the global economy and killing the president too? Mm-hmm. Um, but for the RPG, you do need the the option of players to let grind up levels. Just like, yeah, there's just a bunch of terror, uh, there's a rogue drone swarm over there go shoot it you can level up um there's just random threats uh uh nearby so uh yeah just to just give them a little extra um so yeah i think i mean that i think that that is what fifth head uh players want and that that's what they'll get uh and they'll like it uh just eternally saving morgan freeman uh (laughs) from ever increasing like um oh yeah there's obviously a template system or something to level up bad guys first they're just terrorists but then they're traitor terrorists who are secretly former secret service agents but then they have drones then they're cyborg and they have prosthetic arms and then they're uh antifa super soldiers or something i don't know (laughs) um yeah you gotta you gotta level up your bad guys um yeah but that kind of terrifies me about the idea of the eternally Morgan Freeman president that just can't die even though he's too injured. Oh, yeah. Just sitting there. I've been here for six terms. The office will not let me leave. Yeah, he sits on a golden throne. I mean, resolute <laughs> desk. Um, wait, wait, is he the first iteration of the god emperor of mankind? Basically, uh, we have to feed I mean, him. He, he, did, play, he yeah. did play god in uh, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Yeah. They have to feed him a thousand lobbyists a day or he'll die. <laughs> Uh, All right, Ross. You you, 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 me. I'm, I'm sending you a distant pat for that joke. <laughs> that, that was good. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Max, uh, what, 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 you know, uh, what would your second choice for a franchise to turn into an RPG and other tabletop games? So, I'm going to go with quite possibly one of my favorite franchises, if anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Twin Peaks. Mm. Nice. And I'm going to go with Fiasco as the RPG. Because if you watch Twin Peaks, the, the at least the first two seasons, are a lot of um, characters that are in, interconnected in very, very weird ways, either by an item or a location or um, some other weird uh, connection like that. And and initially, when the, when the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer is being discovered, there's all of these very, very... Uh, just quirky investigative scenes that are very much like a soap opera 
but also um, have a underlying darkness to it, as David Lynch uh, intended. So, and I think Fiasco is the perfect system for that, as when you're um, picking your roles and um, determining uh, your, your connections between people, it's it's often between one of those uh, locations or weird items and such like that. Like, for example, in one of the early episodes of Twin Peaks, there is a bird who uh, was was a witness, quote unquote, to a uh, to a crime, and it's it, it's like a parakeet or a parrot or something like that. <laughs> so they're waiting for like the parakeet to like repeat what it heard or whatever. And at one point, someone goes and assassinates the bird while it's at the vet because they don't <laughs> want to, the bird to reveal what happened. And it's like, yeah, that's that is something I definitely could see happening in a game of Fiasco. Yeah, that's very on brand for Fiasco. Um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, yeah, the the Fiasco, tw- uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, boy, that is a really good fit. Um, <laughs> so, what other games can we do with that? Um, obviously, a tactical uh, miniatures based skirmish game. Um, where you're fighting for control of Twin Peaks, um, you there's the the Twin Peaks. You have to control both of them, um, and so I know a lot about this setting. Uh, so I I feel very confident that is uh, something that happens a lot is uh, deadly battles with supernatural powers. Um, that FBI guy is basically a wizard, right? <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, more or less. Tibetan <laughs> yeah. Buddhist, whatever. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. So he uh, he has to, yeah, to fight off gangs of roving wasteland mutants to keep control of the Twin Peaks. Uh, so yeah, like a more time Necromunda type game, uh, but set in Twin Peaks. Um, yes, and uh, I will not be taking questions on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably for the best. Noted Twin um, Peaks expert, Ross yeah, Fate. So. Yeah. Another thing I could think of maybe is take like the skeleton of something like a world building game like The Quiet Year, mm-hmm. but just uh, put all sorts of random dice mechanics with weird Lynchian things in there. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, we have this one incredibly weird club at the that's like at the top of this hill uh, with the midget talking backwards. So, <clears throat> like, is he going to tell you anything important? There. Yeah. <laughs> so, are they going to tell you anything important? No, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. cool, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah fair uh yes very good very good uh i i do think a uh mafia or ultimate werewolf game mm-hmm. would also be uh, appropriate because uh, um, who palmer, everyone yeah. yeah who killed laura palmer and everyone's got the the hidden role or whatnot and there's a lot of um people aren't necessarily what they seem uh within that series so i think that would be uh that would be great as well mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um yeah uh, so, Aaron, what's your second pick? Um, this guy, I know it kind of stretches the franchise just a little bit because it was just one series, but it did split off into a couple other ones. Like, um, the sci-fi series Eureka, uh, which, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of a sci-fi comedy about uh, a guy who is the sheriff of this small town that's basically a sci- a collective of super geniuses developing things for DARPA, and as their want things are kind of go off um that's like into weird directions like uh akashic theory and uh different that's like planes of dimensions and existence but it it mainly was set as a, kind of a fun it's like action uh comedy science fiction comedy and they did a crossover with a couple of their series like warehouse 13 
back before they did the uh, sci-fi approach. But uh, for that game, since it would be more lighthearted and fun, uh, I th- was really thinking the Atomic Robo uh, Fate setting could be appropriate for that. Uh, one, just because of the brainstorming mechanic is mm-hmm. could be huge in there with all the players either uh, being part of the scientific commune, which I believe was called Global Dynamics, that you could actually set uh, begin the setting of like, all right, what weird thing were we all working on today? And how did this go wrong? And how do we work together to create uh, create a solution for it? And also because that entire game pretty much relies on back and forth banter to be able to help not only with the character aspects, but with the roles that go into it as well. So part of me thinks that that could be a real fun setting to do that's maybe a little bit less on the on the full fighting aspect for Atomic Robo, but definitely would hit more of the, the, the higher, lighthearted comedy side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what would the... Uh, uh, again, I think maybe something with a lot of minis and tactical combat, but I feel like, I mean, obviously I'm just thinking about games that are actually being sold <laughs> on Kickstarter and are marketable. Uh, in terms of, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe a big... Uh, co-op legacy game uh where you're going through the, you're just shamelessly recreating the entire series boy that that would go with any tv series wouldn't it? just just redo the show in tabletop format in a mission format with dice rolling uh, no, we don't want to do like the cortex fireplay thing again yeah no. exactly uh, <laughs> um uh, no th- something like this i honestly think kind of dovetailing off of what Max said about Fiasco beforehand, this could be another good one too, where it's just a comedy of errors and things going wrong mm-hmm. constantly because they, they had several bumbling characters who just constantly screwed something. They actually made a, a, a general reference of like, you're the one who pushes the button. Why did you push the fucking button? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. that could be a good one uh, to set up. Yep. Um, so, uh, Max... What do you think? Uh, what, what 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 would your number two choice for a franchise be? You mean number three? Oh yeah, sorry, three. Oh, uh, number three is the Venture Brothers. Now this can go one <laughs> of two ways. Mm-hmm. The first way it could go would be to run it in Base Raiders because Base Raiders <laughs> has superheroes, <laughs> high tech, and magic, and is an amalgamation of like everything that we know and love. Yeah. Andre. <laughs> Basers don't or... got Venture Brothers money, let me tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Lord wish the I other option, yeah. The other option would be to run it in um Heroes Unlimited or any other <laughs> Palladium game. Yeah, neither is <laughs> Palladium. <laughs> yeah. Um because uh the the sheer just um dysfunction of the rules the, yeah the, the the dysfunction of the rules and how uh everyone's character class is different mm-hmm. like you have you know dr orpheus uh, a necromancer and then like villains like uh red death or or phantom limb then you have brock samson whose character traits are he has a knife and a car mm-hmm. and, but but yeah but they're all like you know they all are are the same level or or what have you? So you know, the only super ability that actually goes there is the sense when somebody's in his car. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I do like the idea that you're that you're combining a show about failure with a game that is failure. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, or and, yeah, uh, or lots of characters who are living in the past, kind of like the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and kind of like how the Venture Brothers world just keep 
kept kept building and building mm-hmm. um, as it went on, that would mean you would need more and more uh, source books or splat books, uh, <laughs> just like a Palladium game. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing I think about, though, um, if... Uh, I don't know what it's called. The system, what the free league system is, the system that they use for Alien, uh, the RPG. Um, it's a D6 system, and because um, they also use it for Tales from the Loop and stuff like that. But the the Alien system has this um, thing called stress, where stress gives you more dice that so makes you more likely to succeed. But if you roll too many ones, you critically fail on a roll. Um, and so stress dice are both good and bad. And I feel like that sort of would. Uh, that basis could be a really good Venture Brothers thing because that's certainly sort of the the truth of the system. Characters get more panic and stressed out, and they they do better until they fuck up in colossal fashion. So actually, I think the Alien <laughs> RPG would be a good fit as well with a bunch of modifications. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. oh. But yeah, um, you know, I realize I, I skipped Tom. I'm sorry, Tom. What was your second pick? Um, uh, actually, uh, my second. I was I've been thinking about it uh, for this episode, but. I'm reminded. I th- I'm reminded of a game we played. I thought Monty Python's Flying Circus, while d- doing that, the system where we was basically like the uh, create a play game we, that we did. The plays the thing. The thing. Plays oh, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like you have to make an entire episode of the show, but you know it's you're, you have to kind of decide what the sketches are and how they, and how they you know, lead into others or will call back to another one you did before. Wow, going very meta with this. Uh, yeah, or, or, or where or where you need to put in the animations. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Wow, like a plays the th- a theme version of plays the thing just written up for Monty Python. Like, uh, you could even just make it like a little playbook zine size thing and make it about one episode. So you just play it once, but it's about like the episode with the parrot sketch in it or whatever. And so everyone has. Yeah. And so every play group has their own experience of doing the parrot sketch, uh, and it's just talking about. Um, acting as the Monty Python troupe, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, role playing as them, uh, doing the parrot sketch. So, yeah, um, yeah, very. Like Eddie, we could just we could just call that something completely different. Yeah, there uh, you go. But the real the real answer here is, of course, Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, <laughs> you need those critical hit tables, um, and unless John Cleese winds up decapitated. Uh, with multiple severed limbs, um, it's not really Monty Python now, is it? Um, <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, that that would be my that would be my uh, answer, and I will not be taking questions on that. Um, so, I'm not taking questions well, with, on a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, Warhammer Fantasy role playing's uh, like job system of various things, you you could cover pretty much any uh, occupation of a bit character in uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. So mm-hmm. I I agree, Ross. That's a fine system for this. Yeah, it's a British system too uh, for a British uh, uh, license. I feel like, uh, I mean, after Brexit, they're, they're going to need all the help that they, they can get. So we might as well send a couple pounds their way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I think Aaron, and then I'll do the last one. So, uh, Aaron, what's what's your third and final choice? Um, for for the third, uh, the third choice that I was a bit thinking. Of, oh, I just. Uh, you may go ahead for the years. I've just lost it. I'm sorry. You got, you got me off the train with the Monty Python thing. So uh, uh, I, I'll, I'll come back. Come back to me. I, I'll think of that. So I was initially tempted to say Chronicles of Riddick, uh, but that's literally 
Warhammer. Uh, <laughs> you don't really need to make any changes. Or actually, there is an existing game called Faded Sons that apparently really replicates the feel of at least Pitch Black the movie. Um, I've heard good things about Faded Sons. I have not played it myself, but uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Tremors. Uh, of course, it, yeah. Of course you do, like yeah. you do, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Tremors is going to be uh i'm tempted again to make it fifth head compatible uh but uh i'm not uh instead i am going to um what what would be the best system for this there's a couple different choices so i'm thinking uh one obviously uh cinnabar um because i feel like that (laughs) i i don't even think i need to explain that uh but no i I think you do okay uh cinnabar uh, i I, I think the trimmers monsters is in the cinnabar bestiary for one there fine i I can accept that that's it um i would say you're you're standing out burton cumber in this too (laughs) um he's probably the guy who armed that raccoon uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the raccoon. Hey, the raccoon's got to have a source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. has to have a source. It, it is canon that Burt Gummer has a cannon. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not enough. put a rocket launcher outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. I'm actually uh, going to um, say, oh, uh, it's going to be a Blades in the Dark hack. Uh, so it's and instead of a crew, it's the town. Every everything about Tremors is about like you are a small community of people living in Tremors zone, and uh, so the, like, yeah, are you, are, yeah. Are, are you gonna go like so? Is that we're actually in Prosperity, Nevada? Well, no, the players get to choose. Like it could be the Prosperity, but like they get to choose where it is. It's just a small, isolated community, and now you have to deal with Tremors, uh, with the Graboids, um, and. So everyone is a different type of citizen. You know, one person is the town drunk. One person is the merchant. One person is the, you know, doctor. Uh, Yeah, the kid. Um, You know, those are the sort of playbooks that you have. Um, And so you, you, uh, the community has a crisis, a graboid related, and then you have to deal with it. And so... Um, yeah, that's actually how it would work. It would, uh, yeah, just dealing with not just, uh, and then obviously as you level up the town, the Graboids also level up, uh, and start evolving into more dangerous forms. And so the GM, so the ass blasters and yeah, well the, the GM, like that would be suggested, but like the, there would be advice on how the GM can make their own Graboids, um, or do like crossovers. Maybe predators show up to hunt the Graboids. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and or what? Or Graboids dream, and it's they're in Freddy, the Freddy Krueger Nightmare World. All right, yeah, why not? You know, hell, there's Piled summer on. camp. Jason's there. Uh, the one thing the Graboids won't eat, because um, it's Jason. Uh, no, they eat him, and he cuts his way out. Exactly. So they well, they, the thing about Graboids is they learn. So the first Graboid dies that way, but the others avoid him now. Um, so you got to deal with Jason and the Graboids. Um, so yeah, that's it. And then there's Hellraiser and then it gets really fucking weird. Because uh, <laughs> kink gets like dirty. Cause like, yeah, you feel just, yeah, I need a shower afterwards. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that, that I feel, I feel like that could actually be pretty fun. Like, yeah, just like weird ass little community. 
Um, you just rules to set it like maybe it's a space colony somewhere, and it's just like you know, kind of a Firefly esque setting, but Graboids or in the past <laughs> or somewhere else, just isolated community dealing well, with they, these they, motherfuckers. The franchise did go into the past, so it's really any time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like that would actually be actually a pretty playable game. <laughs> that's actually that's actually the first real suggestion I've had. It's like, oh yeah, that actually kind of works. Graboids um, yeah, on the Orient Express. Yeah, my other suggestion is, of course, Lancer. Um, you just yeah, you're instead of it's just Bert, I mean that would replicate Bert's arsenal pretty well. Um, <laughs> but a giant graboid fighting mechs. Mm-hmm. Well, not even mechs. It's just like bulldozers and shit like that. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's my final uh, suggestion. Uh, Aaron, what about yours? Did you? F- um, uh, yeah, I did remember, thankfully, what I was going to do. So first off, uh, the comedy option of this uh, to me right now is just Sequest in, uh, in uh, Deep Sea or, or Deep Blue. Sorry. Uh, uh, Blue Planet? Blue Planet, thank you. I can't think of that tonight. Blue Planet, so I'll obviously not be taking any questions on that. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's obvious. Yeah, that's a pretty... I, I think Jeff would be okay with that. Hand so. and glove kind of fit. Yeah, I think Jeff exactly. would be pretty, pretty good. Um, now, the other idea kind of uh, links in a little bit with uh, Maxis for Constantine, uh, but doing the Sandman. Uh, but specifically where either... I could think the idea would be either playing it within... Um, oh, uh... The, uh, uh, it's like either the, uh, the drama system uh, for or hills, so uh, for that because you're just constantly with I if you're basically wrapped up in these weird entity uh, mini dramas that are controlled by entities outside of your your understanding, uh, or more appropriately uh, thinking about uh, doing that within. I cannot remember names of any system tonight. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Give it, but uh, so uh, unknown armies. Excuse me. So Back to because armies. yeah, so because you're dealing with aspects of uh, it's like aspects of magical reality that take in different. Uh, it's like kind of rituals that you can only barely understand and link together in certain ways. And I think that fits the entire aesthetic of the whole Sandman run too. Especially since all the stories were just vignettes of different things that happened to Dreamer around him. So if you're playing one of the characters within there, I think that would work out very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with Unknown Armies being the perfect fit just because of all of the sheer variety of uh, ways that the Dreaming or other supernatural forces are intruding uh, onto the real world. Exactly, yeah. And Dream just kind of being like, well, this is going on now. Yeah, so we're taking elements of, like, maybe the first adventures where uh, Dr. Destiny has his ruby and then just having to deal with the invading nets of how that's being abused until Dream comes back and says, my property, (laughs) what the hell are you doing with that? You have Mm -hmm. tortured this diner for long enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, in that kind of setting, you're not... I mean, I don't know if Under Armors would handle playing a cosmic being like that very well, but if you're playing in that setting, like being mortals or minor supernatural beings. Exactly, too. So basically, I, I can't. the only thing I could really think is like if you're doing drama system for playing things like the Endless or something like that. But mm-hmm. honestly, Unknown Armies, I think you should be right in the middle of, of it being in between. There so is, there is I, a, a RPG called Nobilis, which is supposed to be good for handling cosmic level beings like that. Like, okay. very well. So, so yeah. 
in, in in a lot of the Sandman story arcs, there's a handful of just regular human people mm-hmm. who get you know caught up within the uh, supernatural events of of some kind, and then eventually Dream shows up like like near the ending or when he's like, okay, fine, I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. So that could be uh, like in a, for unknown, unknown armies, like the characters spending a major charge. So they have to go throughout the the, the, the scenario or such, like uh, either making sure the event like hits his radar or doing something to make sure that he shows up. And because, uh, yeah, because playing as like a all powerful being does not sound like a lot of fun, at least to me. But um, well, playing again, as regular schmoes yeah. in uh, in such a such a situation sounds like a much more enjoyable experience. Well, it's a matter of scale and like understanding. Like if they're facing, co- it, it, like again, there are systems that handle that kind of thing very well. Um, I haven't really played them, but like Noble is is designed from the ground up to be that kind of level. It's actually sort of meant to like sort of perfectly replicate that uh, fight uh, 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 Dream has in Hell. Uh, oh yeah, yeah to get his helm back game. too with the riddling yeah um, so um there are systems that handle that mechanically well it's just uh they're like not very common they're not or they're not very well known uh it's yeah. sort of a more rarefied game experience so at some point i should try and play that but like again <laughs> we've got to back uh, that's that sounds cool and, and to me it's playing those uh, event those entities like if you're just you're the all-powerful cosmic deities i think the the appeal of it is less the power and more just the the general storytelling around it so what can you get out of the weirdness that is just produced versus just are you smashing through a city or destroying worlds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah a lot of uh yeah could be very interesting so um Hopefully this gave you some ideas for your own home game. Obviously, we're not going to be launching any of these Kickstarters anytime <laughs> soon. Except the Cinnabar one. I'm in uh, talks with Raven McCracken. Um, that, I told uh, you not to give him your address. <laughs> God damn it, Rock. No, 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 Aaron. He gave him your address. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, his home burned down again, according to his Facebook. So. Did it? <laughs> so you'll you'll be showing up sooner or later. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Uh, uh, mm. <laughs> that's very hey, Ross. That's very brave of you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Jedi. You 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 you, you you're fine. Um, so, uh, but when we get back, we'll have some shout outs. <laughs> And we're back. Um, probably some vaporwave, something, something, some music of some kind. It's gonna be on there. Uh, I hope you love it. Your enthusiasm gives me strength. <laughs> it's, I assume there's gonna be some nice beats between these segments. Yes. So, some Is it gonna be tunes on the eights? Yes, local on the eights. <laughs> tunes on the eights. Um, so uh, shout outs, uh, Max. Why don't you go first as the guest? Okay, so. Uh, I'm going to first talk about a video game I've been playing. So, uh, on the recommendation of Noah slash Broa, um, <laughs> I've been playing uh, Yakuza 0, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, a prequel to the Yakuza series. Um, it is about uh, a group of young Yakuza members growing up in the 80s in Japan. So, uh, you know, with a very serious story of real estate uh, fraud and such like that, as well as murder, as well as uh running nightclubs and having slot car races against children 
a very <laughs> enjoyable game all over. Nice. Um, yeah, that's on Game Pass. Um, uh, at least, it, well, I mean, I think it still is. Uh, I've been meaning to try it out, but I've been playing other games. Um, so uh, it does. Yeah, I, I played some of the PS2. I played the PS2 Yakuza. Had a lot of fun. And then my friend borrowed my PS2 and then he deleted my save. Uh, <laughs> and I've never forgiven it. I'm Chris. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my first shot is also a video game. Uh, Tacoma. Um, it's from Fulbright Games, I believe. Uh, it's another. I'm actually I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, it's a walking simulator. Uh, you're just walking around a space station, but it's a very well designed space station that looks like it could actually exist in the future. In terms of like, oh, they use uh, rotations to generate gravity, and there's different modules, and oh, cool, here's the augmented reality interface, and here's how this works. And it's like, oh, neat, and. <laughs> Um, so you're just like, basically you're going to the space station that's been abandoned and, um, you download this interface that allows you to pull up the system logs of things that have already happened on the station. So you're just like watching these past events of the, the crew talking about things and reading their emails to sort of figure out what's happening. And, uh, there's a few puzzles in it. They're very easy. It's a, and it's also the game's only like two hours long. It's, it's very quick. But uh, it's quite the enjoyable sci-fi uh, experience. Um, if you're a fan of Eclipse Phase and that kind of thing, it'll def- definitely give you some ideas. Um, so it was free on Epic Game Store a while ago, which is how I, how I got it, but it can't be too expensive now. It came out a couple years ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you want a brief but really neat video game in the walking simulator genre, Tacoma is hard to beat. Uh, it's from the same studio that did uh, Gone Home a couple years uh Oh ago, yeah, that's three, right. Three, five, oh, okay. Years ago, so it's got that same kind of mm-hmm. mystery, spookiness uh, atmosphere to it, but has a um, a very strong narrative component in figuring out the stories of these people's lives that were on this space station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only complaint is that I, I it was too short. I wish there was more of it. Um, I, I quite enjoyed what I did see, uh, what I did play through. Um, very chill, uh, very fun. Um, Aaron, what's your first shout out? Uh, first shout out uh, is also a video game, a newer one that I've played uh, called Fuser, uh, which was uh, Batty thank uh, gave me as a early Christmas Ooh. birthday forever present for this year. So um, it's made by Harmonix, uh, which is the company that made uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and I've always been in love with uh, uh, rhythm-based games. But this one specifically is about more DJing and mixing, and basically the idea of it as you go through your career is that you're taking different samples and constantly just flipping them in and out on mixes, slowing them down, uh, rearranging as needed, and I absolutely adore it uh, because rhythm games have always been a fun thing for me. Music-based uh, uh, it's like music mixing like this has been tons of fun to be able to do, uh, especially in group with Ross, uh, Baz, and Maddie. So we're doing live shows, which have been a ton of fun. Uh, and yeah, I, it's definitely raillery fodder for me at some point in the future, but, uh, but honestly, I, it's such a relaxing thing to be able to do and just for generally being creatively stimulating. So <laughs> I highly would recommend it. Uh, it's a bit pricey right now, but like I said, uh, hopefully the uh, if you decide to take a look at it, the winter sales will basically go in there. But hey, if nothing else to say about it, you can mix in uh, Rick rolls into it constantly. I think that's what you need to be able to do. <laughs> yeah, they do, the they, they do have a good selection of meme songs. 
Uh, yeah, so, uh, pay for evanescence, but you know some sacrifices need to be made. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Tom. Uh, my first is also a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, I'm a, actually a big fan of simulation games. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing one uh, called Gunsmith, which is not to be confused with Gunsmith Simulator, which is coming out next year, I believe. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of like a, uh, it's like a fact, game like Factorio where you set up uh, assembly lines to manufacture military equipment to sell as a uh, arms manufacturing company. Yeah. So. And of course, you know, you have to choose who you want to sell to. You know, do you want to be a legit or do you want to like, like I'll sell to anyone that has money. Well, that's capitalism. <laughs> that is definitely capitalism. Yeah. Um. It's, well, it's kind of like it's when I first tried it. It was one of, was one of those games where like, okay, I need a new game. I'll try this for a while, and then I realized you know six hours have gone by. Yeah, that's a sign of a good game. Um, mm-hmm. Is it fully out or is it just early access? Well, it's been in early access since 2018, but it's definitely improved a lot since then. Yeah, the early access system is kind of broken. Um, well, because uh, it it can stay there forever. Yep. Uh, because why not? So uh, I guess they, they, it's, it's released when we run out of money. Uh, we don't we can't afford <laughs> to update it anymore. Um, Far west. Yeah, basically. Well, that's 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 a whole different situation. <laughs> that's, a, that's a scam. It's for never me. been released. Like it's never even gotten <laughs> early access. Actually, some chapters have been released, but that that's a yeah. They, they, that's one dude who made fifty thousand dollars ten years ago. Like that's not that's a little different <laughs> than like Star Citizen or something. Um, <laughs> So, uh, let's see. Uh, Max, do you have any other shout-outs? Yeah, I'm going to quickly mention two movies that I recently uh, actually bought physical copies of that I think everyone should at least watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I've gotten back into buying physical media Mm -hmm. this year. Just, I don't know, because stuff's on streaming and then it disappears. So, Mm -hmm. there's stuff I always want to watch and it's easy to lend to people. Yeah. So... First off is Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, which oh. I'm sure has been mentioned on here before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just got a Criterion release. Um, Ghost Dog uh, is, is the story of a, uh African-American hitman who uh, lives under the credence of a uh, samurai, which mm-hmm. is very, very interesting. It just a, It's a great movie, directed by Jim Jarmusch, um, soundtracked by the, the RZA, uh, starring Forrest Whitaker. Uh, just... An absolute delight from top to bottom. It was the first movie I'd bought in a long time that I had not previously seen, but I just kind of heard about its reputation. So I'm definitely glad that I uh, now own a copy of it. Yeah. And next, uh, we have Moonstruck, a 1980s American romantic comedy film starring Cher and Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not a big romantic comedy fan, but I I do legitimately enjoy this movie. Uh Cher is great. Uh, she actually fought for Nick Cage to uh, be in this movie, uh, like as as the male lead. They wanted to cast someone else, but you know, Cher being Cher in the '80s, she could get her way. Um, it won a number of Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. it's, it's got a uh, great soundtrack with a lot of um, uh, opera pieces and um, such like that. It's it's just a very feel goody movie, and. Um, I, I suggest everyone give it a give give it a watch, even if you aren't a fan of romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's one. It, it's it's a movie I've heard good things about. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. It's been uh, a while since I've seen it. So yeah. yeah. Um, 
I do. I've also been buying more physical media uh, since I got a, a cheap 4K TV and a 4K Blu-ray player because it looks <laughs> pretty. Um, so yeah, it's, I've been picking up stuff from like Shaft Factory. I picked up like three Carpenter movies in their Halloween sale last month. Um, the thing, oh, nice. uh, the Steel Book for Big Trouble in Little China and uh, Math Madness, and yeah. Uh, physical media is nice to have, uh, especially like my internet died for an hour today. I was like, Oh no, what are we going to do? Oh, I, <laughs> um, I had something I had, I had choices. Um, actually I'll mention a couple of movies, uh, for my uh, next shout outs. Um, uh, ones I have, I, I did watch on streaming, but, uh, one is called, uh, they're both horror movies, uh, made in the last five or so years. Uh, one is Southbound, uh, which is on shutter right now. Um, and it is a anthology horror movie set in the American Southwest desert. And it's about weird things happening in the desert. Um, and it's, you know, spooky and weird. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, oh, you yeah. like spooky, though. I do like spooky. Um, and uh, then the next... So if you like weird horror movies, especially anthology movies... Um, Southbound's fun. It, it just moves along, and there's a it, the beginning, ending have you know there's a lot of little links and tie-ins to each other. So, um, then the other one I liked, or the other one I watched, is Abattoir, uh, which is on Amazon Prime, and that is um, a ha- haunted house movie, but like the the a woman's uh, a reporter, her her sister, and her sister's family are all murdered and then someone buys the house and steals the room that they're murdered in like like rips it out of the walls and the reporter starts investigating trying to figure out what the fuck's happening and finds out a mystery it's like taking all these murder rooms and building a giant house out of them um interesting premise very architectural horror unfortunately it's kind of flawed it takes too way too long to get to the haunted house part but um you know it it was it was fine uh, I, I, I mean, maybe my standards for horror movies are just too low. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's worth watching if you're a horror movie fan. Um, there's some interesting ideas in it. And that's all I need for a movie these days. Um, let's see. Um, Aaron, any other shout-outs? Uh, yeah, I have to do one in particular. Uh, it's going back to games, but uh, an older one, actually. Uh, it, last month, I learned that there has been a team... Uh, for about a uh, couple of years, actually doing an enhancement project on the PC port of Silent Hill 2, uh, which I recently learned you can actually get pretty easily because that version of the game is considered abandonware. Uh, it was pretty shoddily done when it was put out, and Konami has no plans to re-release it or to do anything, so it's actually under that kind of gray legal umbrella. But uh, they've done an excellent job uh, updating all the graphics to the point where uh, it definitely looks like a game of its era, but uh, it still is usable uh, in a 1080p setting uh, with the fog effects that are pretty general. All the voice is, and the uh, documents have been updated, and all the things that were extra into the game for the endings have been updated. I recently played through it, uh, and, you know, despite the fact of, again, questionable voice acting in some places, it still holds up incredibly well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually found myself, even though I'd played this game multiple times, actually jumping in a couple places when I was, like, running down the fog-laden road, and they've done an excellent job basically making sure the, the town feel oppressive, even though it's dead silent uh, in most of the cases. So if you 
uh, would like to play the game, I would highly recommend finding the uh, uh, finding at least the patch file. You can find it, the link to the actual game wherever you need to. Cool. Um, but uh, no, it, it is really impressive. And I kind of hope they would do it for Silent Hill 3, but unfortunately it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, never uh, say never, Aaron. Never yeah. say never. Uh, but cool. Uh, Tom, any last shout-outs? Yeah, uh, mine's actually a book. Yeah? That uh, I discovered just because of uh, interviews I saw been, I saw on YouTube, but it's uh, called The Commander in Cheat mm-hmm. uh, by uh, Rick Riley, a sports writer. It's a whole book about how Trump cheats at golf and how that kind of explains you know, his entire personality. <laughs> because yeah. like, it's just like, well, it's an actual line from it that he wrote that he says, Trump cheats at golf like a mob accountant. <laughs> just blatantly. Oh yeah, and um, he says like, you know, he said he played with him, and he's like, it's like he cheats like with whether people are watching or not. <laughs> and uh, he said like, you know, and he went back, he went to the uh, caddy shack of one of Trump's golf courses after playing with him, mm-hmm. and he asked the caddies like, like, how do you guys, you know, I don't you know, how do you get a, uh, get uh, approve of this? You know that he cheats, and then they're all like, look, you're like, oh, uh, oh, he doesn't cheat, and. Uh, Oh wait, you cheat for him, and then all the caddies love like, yeah, that's how it happens. <laughs> like they say, like they keep they have pockets full of gol- identical golf balls for him that they can just drop on the course wherever he wants. Wow, it's like Smithers in that one episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, or they keep uh, they keep a pocket full of g- green golf tees, so when he hits a shot in the in the rough, he can uh, he can put it on a tee. Man. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's he says uh, this guy uh, the guy wrote it's played golf with all kinds of celebrities. Mm-hmm. And uh and they said uh, so many celebrities have claimed that Trump cheats and also they he said that Trump claims he has a handicap of 2.5, which is the lower the better. And he said Jack Nicholas has a handicap of 3.0. <laughs> God, that's some North Korean dictator shit right there. Oh yeah. No, it's as reading it's like I uh, I'm not, I'm not even that interested in golf, but just really like, oh, sure. Jesus Christ, man. That, yeah. There's sign, cheating, and then there's this. There's, it's a sign of good storytelling when you'd like, you, the subject doesn't matter. It's just the story is compelling enough. So, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good recommendation. So, um, yep, something to, to, to think of. But, um, yeah, that ends uh, this episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I am at Ross Payton on Twitter. And, of course, RPPR is on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook group where we talk about stuff and a Facebook page, which you can like. And so you can get updates when we, you know, put new episodes up and all that junk. Um, so, and, of course, if you're a patron uh, on patreon.com slash RPPR, you can join for $2 a month or more uh, and get different rewards, including bonus podcast, early access podcast. Uh, join our Discord where we talk and chat and I, I post great, interesting, and very informative links. Um, certainly not random weird stuff I find on the internet. No, I do all of it. Uh, but yeah, we have a great community. We talk about our RPGs and all kinds of stuff and we have a lot of fun. Uh, I stri- live stream movies and, uh, well, weird videos uh, like we did the, the movies in Halloween, like Night of the Living Dead and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, join us uh, to see all that and more. Um, Max, how can people find you on the internet? All right, so you can find me at M.M. Nestorowicz. That's my personal Twitter, uh, as well as Good Brews, Bad Views at GBBV Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all those fun places. We also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash 
Good Brews, Bad Views, where you can get access to be able to vote upon one of our monthly episodes so you can inflict suffering upon me, James, and Ryan. I've been, <laughs> I've been told voting is important and you should do it. Voting is very important. Vote every time you can vote, not Absolutely. just every four years. <laughs> <laughs> and vote for Max's podcast. Uh, uh, what movies he will do. Um, so that, that That's basically the same thing, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I will not take further follow-up questions. Um, Aaron, how can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at, at Aaron Karsten on Twitter, uh, as well as Railery Podcast Streaming on uh, Twitch. Uh, we are doing our Wednesday nights uh, as usual. Uh, currently, we are streaming Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is a spiritual successor to Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, and I'm do- and Maddie uh, is thankfully coming along to act as my sounding board slash mocking board uh, when I'm failing at that game so many times, but uh, you can actually uh, support us over there. Uh, and we're, t- like I said, subscribers and followers. So uh, we are there to make an entertaining, fun night. So cool. Um, and Tom. Tom, you, uh, you can find me at Lustry and Snake uh, on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, lurk- I'm lurking around many different places at many times. All right. Just waiting in the shadows for you. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I do what I can, Ross. Yep. I do what I can. You, you sure do. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been RPVR episode 181. Uh, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.